My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to a special Mad Money from Orlando, Florida, at the 20th Annual ICR Conference. Now, look, other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job, not just to entertain, but also to educate and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. The consumer is alive and well and spending. The consumer wants value. The consumer wants reliability. And the consumer will pay for it. That's the lesson of the ICR, the big consumer conference I spent all day learning from. A day where the Dow gained 103 points, S&P climbed 0.13%, and the Nasdaq advanced 0.09%, although prices were higher earlier today. So many retailers are suddenly doing so well in this environment, from Kohl's to Children's Place to Canada Goose to restaurants like Darden. Remember, they own Olive Garden. That it almost feels like you can throw darts at the stocks of the consumer companies down here and end up with a winner, although, of course... It is never that easy. I think it's worth focusing on the consumer side of things, at least for now. Even as many of the big gains in this market are coming from what we call the capital goods, companies that benefit from this global, not domestic, but global economic expansion. Look, I've been recommending Boeing for 240 points now. I'm not backing away. In fact, I think this $318 stock can easily go to 400 bucks. Caterpillar is going to be a huge beneficiary from the capital expenditure accounting changes in the new tax code. And that's not baked into the stock as much as they try to do so. United Technologies, Honeywell, Emerson, Cummins, Parker Hannifin, they're all doing much better than we thought, simply because demand has improved so dramatically. Look, when you sell elevators, jet engines, and heating, ventilation, and air conditioning, or HVAC, as United Technologies does, you're going to be a winner in this environment as all three businesses are firing on all cylinders. However, down here at the ICR conference in Orlando, they're focused on a totally different kind of story. Let me boil it down so everyone understands. After my myriad interviews, and I mean myriad, I've come up with six props to explain why these consumer stocks are doing far better than we expected at this point in the year. First, for years, so much of retail has been weighed down by a cutthroat race to the bottom. This time, though, I don't know. For instance, we didn't hear that Christmas was promotional anymore. Promotional being code for, we needed to heavily discount items to get rid of them, and it killed our gross margins. If anything, this was the first full-price Christmas since before the Great Recession. As much as I'd like to praise the companies themselves for getting it right, and they, they deserve it, it's almost like they'd have to go out of their way to get it wrong with this newfound, more positive consumer mindset. Which brings me to my second point. I don't like to be all touchy-feely, but let's face it. No matter how you feel about President Trump, the truth is he's been good for business. You can't attribute the whole economy surge to the White House, especially not when we have a global economic expansion that's more about around the rest of the world than just the U.S. And I am sure that Democrats would argue that Trump got dealt a great hand economically. Still, corporations don't fear expanding as much as they used to because they know we now have a much more benign regulatory environment. And I bet that's what the banks will say when they start reporting on Friday. They did well today, by the way. I'm not really a believer in trickle-down economics, but some of that trickles down to the consumer. We know that. Third, of all the companies I've talked to, and I mean all of them, they still have a ton of money left over even after they've expanded, bought back stock, given big dividends. That's because almost every one of these largely domestic consumer companies was a high federal taxpayer. 
their budgets for buybacks and dividends were all based on the old tax code. So those dividends and buybacks are about to get bigger, in many cases much bigger, as will their expansion, as will what they're trying to do when it comes to labor. Well, speaking of labor, employment matters. It looks like the confidence that comes from plentiful jobs is inspiring a lot more spending than you'd expect, given what we still have to believe is meager wage inflation. And no, I'm not that concerned about wage inflation. Now, look, those hundred companies offering bonuses certainly don't hurt, uh, especially because I expect many more to do so. Fifth, boy, this is a shocker when I come down here in Orlando, e-commerce. You know what? We finally gotten to the point where other companies have caught up with Amazon when it comes to digitizing their businesses. We know that so many of these guys were caught unawares by the positive consumer service aspect of Amazon. They just thought it was like a machine. Not to mention its incredible knowledge of what consumer wants via artificial intelligence. They didn't even know what AI was down here a couple of years ago. Well, you know what? They got wise. They're using their stores to make it easier for people to return and pick up merchandise. And look, as much as it sounds completely ridiculous, and I hate it, Bopus is working, meaning buy online and pick up in store. Yeah, brick and mortar's actually got some positives. Plus, these companies are now using sophisticated programs like those from Salesforce.com that we talk about to anticipate what their customers want. They're competing on a more level playing field, meaning Amazon is no longer the retail death star. The restaurants have figured out how to get people to come back. They've got real loyalty now. And that, along with good training and takeout and delivery, e-commerce, has let them get a larger piece of that huge and growing millennial pie. Six, there's a sense among all these companies that consumers will recognize value when they see it. When Canada Goose sells coats that go for 800 to 900 bucks, the consumer says, this is a great investment because the quality is so high that it represents value. But when Denny's offers a menu that gives you a $2, $4, $6, and $8 offering, that's also value. When Kohl's gives you brand names for less and it's private label for even less than that, the value resonates and the customers become loyal. When Children's Place give you the highest quality children's clothes at a reasonable price, as you will soon hear, it doesn't matter if they're mall-based. The customer will be there with an open wallet. Now, when the market's roaring like this one and you get even more than the industrials and the consumer stocks flying, we got to talk about some other things that are working. After a prolonged period in the wilderness, the drug and biotech names are finally having a one-day renaissance. Maybe it lasts longer, and that's courtesy of the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. The railroads, beneficiaries of the new tax code, are roaring again. Rarely I've ever seen one group, what is it with the rails, that keep being revalued up, up so quickly based on nothing. And that's happening. That's happening with the rails. At least not that I can see. The oil-related stocks, now they're not quitting. Crude surgeon maybe going to 63 the banks, like the high, they love the higher interest rates we're getting, and many investors may be fretting about it, but not almost 20% of this stock market. Here's the bottom line, at least from the ICR conferences I see it. Don't get in front of the consumer freight train. It's coming full speed ahead, and it's better to get on the locomotive than get run over by one. Let's take some calls. Let's start with Lydia in Illinois. Lydia. Hey, Kramer, thanks for taking my call. I have a quick question. Danny Meyer, who is originally from St. Louis, was in town to open a Shake Shack restaurant. There was lots of excitement surrounding it. Lines farming around the building and the whole thing. I bought some Shake Shack stock. I looked at the graphs. I listened to the favorable reports. 
And so I bought it. I bought the stock. It was just taking off uh, incredibly, Kramer. Then all of a sudden it crashed. Right. Uh, so what I want to know, what do you think I should do? Should I trade it or hold it, Kramer? No, I want you to hold on. I think a lot of the hot money, so to speak, is out of Shake Shack. What happened with Shake Shack was the stock boomed up so much that the average unit was worth way too much versus what I would say most re uh, restaurants are doing. But it's come down a lot. Now, why don't you just hold it long term? Don't focus on it for now. The, the food's good. The business is okay. It's just not as good, believe it or not, as McDonald's. Let's go to Harry in Pennsylvania. Harry. Yeah, this is Harry from Newport, Pennsylvania. Uh, my question is concerning uh, Old Dominion Freightline. Um, I watched the show. I watched the show for about 10 years, and it seems like uh, you get a lot of reports on FedEx and UPS and a lot of the, the biggest cap yes. companies. And, um, you know, you see a company like Old Dominion that has a one-year return of 63%. And... Um, they're buying back the shares. They introduce a dividend. And I was wondering if you had any comments or, uh, you know, what your take was on Old Dominion Freightline. I've been saying that the transports are in the sweet spot, in part because of e-commerce. Old Dominion's been brought right along with it. I think you can hold the stock. All right. We leave no stone unturned to this market. Coming at you from ICR in Orlando. I can tell you that the consumer is alive and well. Don't get in front of her freight train. Special man money tonight. No time for games at the children's place. The stock just won't quit. Is it time to find a place for it in your portfolio? I'm going to sit down with the CEO who's so fabulous to find out. Then I'll reveal what's driving stocks and whether you should believe it. And Kohl's just announced fabulous holiday sales. Hey, by the way, best of it, more, more than a decade. Has the company shaken off the retail funk? I've got the exclusive. So stick with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Winners, what can I say? They tend to keep on winning. Look at Kramer Fave Children's Place, a stock I've loved for ages. Gave us a monster 44% gain last year and has tripled since its lows in 2015. The company just delivered one more set of terrific numbers. And while the stock sold off on the news a little bit, who can blame anyone for taking a profit after such an incredible move? It is still one of the great retail stories of the era. And that's why we were so excited to get a chance to speak with Jane Elfers, the bankable president and CEO of Children's Place, earlier today at the ICR conference. Take a look. Jane, you and your team, great American success story, best in e-commerce, best in the mall, total understanding of the consumer. You've got a pillar strategy that works. Tell us how you were able to triumph well, we put a strategy in place several years ago, and it relies on four pillars, like you said. The first pillar is product. It's always going to be about product because that's what the, we're in the business to sell. And we have a very, very strong product team. We have a great designer. We have a great sourcing organization, and we have great merchandise. Second pillar is business transformation through technology. There's really two big pieces of that. 
The first is inventory management systems, so and we've been working on those so for important. years. Hugely important, has really helped us get our inventories in line and really helped us with our margin and our AUR. Now the next phase of that is really digital transformation. And I could go on and on about digital transformation because I think that's really the next frontier for the children's place. And that's what's going to give us the growth for the next three to five years. Huge opportunity, haven't even scratched the surface on that one. Third one is alternate channels of distribution. Back in 2012, we went after wholesale business. Mm -hmm. We knocked on Amazon's door. We've partnered with them. We do brick and mortar wholesale, has been great. The other part of that is international. We had no international business. Obviously, we have Canada, but right. I'm talking about franchise business. We now have seven partners, 19 countries, and 168 points of distribution. Every market we've been in, we've been successful. You know, I don't know if you know, but we're the number one children's specialty apparel retailer in North America. Right. I don't see why there's any reason why we can't be the number one children's specialty apparel retailer in the world. Well, I, I know your execution's fabulous. I'm sure you can do that. Two things that people always told me wouldn't work. One, anybody in the mall has to die. Mm -hmm. And two, no one can compete with Amazon on e-commerce. You've proven them wrong. What are you doing right? Well, I think from a mall point of view, you look at our traffic. Our traffic has been sequentially improving for the last seven quarters. So I know there's a lot of talk out there now that fourth quarter was good for some people and traffic got better, but our traffic's been getting better for seven quarters. So I think the things we've done around products and the things we've done around marketing has really helped us get those footsteps into the building. Also, with moms, they really need to bring their kids when they get a little bit older in to try things on. On the younger sizes, like the 2Ts and 3Ts, you kind of go with the size range. But when the kids get a little older, not only do their bodies change, but they want to have a say in the product as well. So I think the combination of having a thousand brick and mortar stores and a really robust e-commerce business is really part of the key to the success of the children's place. They bring the kids in, the kids get to pick what they want, and then that kind of feeds on itself and they go back and, and also buy on e-commerce. I remember when I started, we were 9% of our business was coming from e-commerce. We're going to end this year at close to 23. That's incredible. Much more than every other brick and mortar that I talked to. There's something that's going on in the country that I've always talked about. It's a new theme. Where the millennials go and what they do <laughs> makes you money. Right. I know I talk about experiential. I talk they go on cruises. They like to hike. But when they become moms, mm -hmm. what do they do? Well, we have the dream customer. We have a 28-year-old millennial mom customer who's pushing us from a digital point of view even faster than we can push ourselves. You look at some of the other traditional retailers or traditional department stores, they have a much older core customer. Yeah. We have the sweet spot. And when you think about the Gen Z customer that's coming up, she's already shopping or he's already shopping in our stores with their mom. And in 10 years from now, you can imagine how savvy they'll be digitally. So for us, it's just the perfect combination. And now when you start to see what's going on, with the economy. Since I've been at Children's Place, I started in 2010, the birth rates have been dropping since the recession. The wow. last, 2008 was the highest year for births. I think there were 4.2 million births in the United States. It's been going down every year, about 3.9 or 3.8 or million. They've been saying for years that it's going to stabilize. 16 was really the first year it stabilized, and we may see a little bit of growth in 17. To your point, I think with the millennials now, they're forming households later. I think they've got a little bit more uh, confidence. I think we'll start to see those birth rates potentially go up in 18, which could be yet another tailwind for us. Okay, how about the fact that if the gross domestic product, people doing better jobs, uh, mm -hmm. Fewer hand-me-downs, more new buys at mm -hmm. Children's Place? Well, of course. And I think also when you look at our product, we, do, we are known for quality and value. So right. people do like to hand it down, but we're also known for fashion. So 
big fashion, little prices is one of our taglines. So I think mom can come in and, and keep those outfits pretty fresh. Jen, how do you get people to go to work these days and work at Children's Place? And immigrants want to work, but there's rules suddenly from Washington make it a little tough. Uh, people are trying to always, uh, if they can, make a lot of money, mm -hmm. but Children's Place can't afford to pay people fortunes. Mm -hmm. How are you keeping your staff? You know, we have a lot of moms and moms like to work there. And we love to have moms work there because they're, they're the greatest um, people to give advice to our customers. So we see that a lot and they love the discount. They love the discount. Mm -hmm. I hadn't thought about that. Yep. If you work there, how much can you save on clothes? A lot. <laughs> Fair enough. International has never been easy for a domestic player mm -hmm, to execute. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What makes you so confident that you can be the world's biggest? Well, I think because we are the number one children's specialty apparel retailer in North America, right. there's so much white space around the globe for children's apparel. There really is no key player out there. And what we did when we went after it is we said, obviously, we're going to go after the places where the kids are. So we went to the Middle East first, then followed by Israel, and then followed by India. So when you think about the places we are, and we're just scratching the surface in China with Tmall. We don't have a brick-and-mortar presence there yet. And so when you think about it, we're gone to the places where the kids are, and we've been a home run in every one of those places. So I think for us to go from zero in 2012 to 168 points of distribution in 2017, Wow. There's a lot of opportunity there. One last question. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about how fabulous you've been for shareholders. You like uh, to reward shareholders who uh, yes. own shares of Children's Place, right? We do, yes. And you've <laughs> we been, love our shareholders and we like rewarding them. Well, I got to tell you, <laughs> you're a huge winner. You are my hero. Oh. You are the leader, not just, you know, and it's just like, I don't like this woman stuff. You are the leader <laughs> of men and women when it comes to, to shopping, oh, right? I don't know about that, but. Well, then I do. You. We have a great team. <laughs> That's my job. Okay, Jane Elvers. <laughs> Presidency of Children's Place. I don't care if the stock's up about 100 points since we've liked it. I think there's a lot more to go. Jane, congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. When it comes to the stock market these days, you can't afford to be too cynical. So much of what drives this market can seem artificial. But Wall Street doesn't make any distinction between natural drivers and artificial ones. They're all the same. Consider the cruise lines. Last night I got a call about Norwegian cruise and how it had lagged of late. I said that I wouldn't worry. Why? Because business is strong for Norwegian. I'd studied the cruise group near the end of December in preparation of interviewing the CEO of Royal Caribbean. And I had seen that bookings were strong across the board for all of these companies. What was strange to me, though, was the strength of the lodging stocks versus the cruise names. Sure enough, today, Credit Suisse upgrades Carnival from hold to buy with a price target of 78. Why? Among other reasons, because the cruise group is behind the lodging stocks, meaning the relative underperformance of Carnival stock gives you a terrific opportunity to buy it. Stock jumped more than a dollar and a half on the news. Or take Target. Here's a stock that was bid up endlessly on Takeover Talk. In the last few days, though, we've heard retailer after retailer say things are much better than expected. And the shock somehow is poppable. In a bad market, Target stock would go down on what I regard as highly anticipated news that business is good, especially since it had rallied so much from takeover talk. However, in a good market like this one, I should say in a fabulous market like this one, the stock goes up almost 3% on what I regard as being a completely predictable beat. 
We also get price target boosts like the one that got Amazon stock rolling today. Why was there a price target to boost? Because the stock had overrun the previous target. Yep, this morning, Piper Jeffrey, which had been recommending Amazon with a $1,200 target, bumps his price target to $1,400 because business is stronger than they thought. What happens? The stock roars ahead five points. Is that a good reason to buy a stock, a price target increase? It's still worse because of an obvious earnings boost from a tax cut or an obviously stronger consumer or an obvious relative underperformance compared to similar sectors. It's what gets things moving these days. You've got to understand that in a beast bull market like we're in, we don't look through these kinds of situations to find fault in the reasoning. We simply recognize, yeah, that's enough to send a stock higher. I went in. I read a lot of cynical stories about how none of this should matter. And yes, that would be true in a different kind of market, a more discerning and, yes, cynical market like we had before President Trump got elected. We don't have that kind of market now. you got to wake up to that. We've got the raging bull. Yes, it's in beast mode where investors jump on even the thinnest of excuses to buy stocks. You don't have to go along with it. I'm not telling you you should do that. But at least you need to recognize that it's working. Otherwise, really, what's the point of owning stocks? Let's take some calls. I'd like to start with Ann in Indiana. Ann. Jim, welcome back. Thanks a lot for taking my call. Of course, Ann. Calling about XPO Logistics and how that became a trade. Could you talk about that? Because I have a couple other stocks, and I'm trying to figure out how uh, and when to ring the register. Well, first of all, it, it can go higher. But when I say it was when we started buying it for uh, the ActionAlertsPlus.com club, and we'll talk about this tomorrow on the call, we said, listen, you know, this thing could be a rocket ship. Well, it was a rocket ship. It is a rocket ship. But you know what? I can't be greedy even in this market. What a huge game. So we decided to take it off the table. Doesn't mean it's bad. Does mean that bulls make money, bears make money, but pigs get slaughtered. Robert in Indiana. Robert. Booyah, Jim. How are you? However, I'm doing great. How about you? Not bad. So I wanted to get your opinion on Winnebago. Uh, I've made a little bit of money on this stock, but based on what I'm seeing, I believe it could go a lot higher. And I like some of their products a lot better than what Thor puts out. So I'm curious to know what you think of them. I think it can go higher, but candidly, sir, it was not as good as the business at Thor. And I've got to tell you, I like to not just be in like, oh, switch off this horse or that horse. I like the investable thesis of Thor. Even when it came down, I stuck with it, and I'm sticking with it now. Craig in New York. Craig. Cypress Semiconductor. Buy, sell, hold. Is it a takeover candidate? Uh, I would never buy it for takeover. I think it's still an inexpensive stock. They got a lot of things going. CY has been one of my favorites, and I reiterate right now, it is still a favorite, and it's not expensive. Okay, this is a new and different kind of market, people. It's one where artifice works, a market that's not done going higher yet. Much more mad money ahead, including my exclusive with Kohl's. Yeah, Kohl's, you shop there. The company's shares are pushing toward three-year highs. But does the rally have the juice to continue? Then winter is here, although you can't tell from Orlando. And that means Canada Goose is hot, hot, hot. Turn up sitting down with the CEO of the company that rarely talks to the media to see if the stock can continue its rise. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Orlando Lightning Round. So stick with Kramer. Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE.
You are looking fine today. It is a, it's a great live shot. Yeah, Jim. those trees, the flowers. Look at that. You can't wait to hear more about it's all what's coming up. It's all funny. I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually coming from where Canada Goose is. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. After spending a long time in the wilderness, retail has been coming back with a vengeance lately. Exhibit A, just look at Kohl's, KSS, the department store chain with a stock that's now up more than 60% from its lows in the middle of last year. And you know what? It just keeps getting better and better. Yesterday morning, the company released some very strong same-store sales numbers. Get this, up 6.9% in November, December, meaning they had a fabulous holiday season. So that's why we were thrilled when we got a chance to sit down with Kevin Mansell. He's the chairman and CEO of Kohl's. Take a look. You've done it. You pre-announced. The numbers were huge. What's behind the incredible, incredible figures I'm seeing from Kohl's? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things behind it, obviously. But you probably know that over the last couple of years, we've been going down this path where we call it internally the greatness agenda. It's a framework for growth. Um, it's got a bunch of different aspects, focus on the experience, focus on brands. Some of the national brands have become much more important in our business. Personalization, which I know you probably understand is a, is a pathway for success. And then savings, reinventing our savings story. So all these things I think are finally coming together and they really came together at holiday. One of the things that people talk about when they talk about Kohl's is reliability. We know we're gonna get the lowest price for brand name or for private label. Is that your strategy or has that always been the strategy? That's really always been Cole's strategy. I mean, going back many years, we used to call our pillars, brands, value, and convenience. So easy to shop stores, brands people know, and great, great prices. That really has never changed. We've reinvented them to these things I talked to you about, but they're fundamentally still the same. Now, a first increase above 5% same store since 2001, that also must be the consumer playing a role. Oh, for sure. I mean, we had we had two big macro headwinds, or tailwinds, obviously. One, we lapped the presidential elections, so that was a big plus. Weather was more favorable, but the biggest probably one is just a better consumer, a more active consumer, more engaged consumer. And then, you know, to give us credit, I think we do have some company-specific things that have also helped as well. Well, let's talk about some of those. I think that, well, I always knew that Crofton Barrel and Sonoma, because Sonoma is what I wear, Crofton Barrel is what I wear on the weekends. But tech, uh, mud, Vera Vera, these are things that you're doing that are bringing in a new consumer. They are. I mean, we have some proprietary brands. You alluded to really one of the biggest ones, which is Vera Wang, one of our largest proprietary brands. Um, younger brands like Lauren Conrad has done amazingly well. And then we have an initiative around speed to deliver speed. product okay. more quickly to customers. So we provide more. I mean, it's over, oversimplifying this, Jim. It's really providing more relevant merchandise more quickly. But there's a lot to get that done. Right. Now, uh, uh, people at my office talk about how much cash and how much Kohl's cash they have. How did Kohl's cash become part of the firmament in this country so quickly? I think, you know, I mean, I think two things. We, we really hit on a key point when we created Kohl's cash, which is, you know, do you know anybody that doesn't love a good deal? Yeah. And how about a good deal right. 
where you earn money and then you get to use it again later for whatever you want to spend. So I think we've tapped into this desire by customers who appreciate value right. and also the value that keeps on giving. So, I mean, we call it our iconic savings program and it is. We, we, this year alone, Jim, more than $2 billion worth of Kohl's cash will be redeemed by consumers and it's growing growing in terms of its importance and I do think it's really iconic there there are other companies that have tried to do something similar but I think we own it no you definitely do now one of the things that you've done that I think is extraordinary when I go to my Kohl's it's in it's not in a mall it's in a strip mall I can pull up it does make sense to buy online and pick up store you're in a unique position with your more than a thousand stores right where they're located is an advantage yes. not a disadvantage yeah I mean two things on that uh, physical presence is important in people's mindset as they think about where to shop, regardless of whether they shop in the store or online. If you have a physical presence, you're top of mind. So having physical presence is critical for sure, and then making it easier. So we're not in malls. 95% of our stores are off mall, and they're mostly single level, freestanding, easy to get in, easy to get out, which taps into today's world, which is a more omni-channel customer. I pull up, you know, I have one on 22 in Jersey. I pull up right in front. I always get a spot. Well, I like to circle till I get it. Now, one of the things that a lot of people say is, oh, well, Amazon's going to buy Kohl's. I always say Amazon's a good partner of Kohl's, that you guys have been working with them, and it's not like that you want to surrender Kohl's to Amazon. You don't need to. No, I mean, we're, we're focused on any ideas, however far out they may seem to somebody outside our business, that would essentially drive more people into our stores. Amazon's a great company, amazing customer engagement. They share a lot of similar values, which is they, you know, values are really important to them, but the customer experience is what's critical. Those are shared value with Kohl's. And so our thinking in the Amazon pilot is really how do we translate their success into more traffic coming into Kohl's stores? Okay, two things that drive me in. I like the name brands you have because you offer good price, Nike. And I like home, home goods. But home goods is in a small portion in the racetrack. Right. How about making that bigger because you're killing it in that? And are there other brand names you want to bring in? Um, the answer to all of that is yes. I think home being a more important part of our business, it actually is becoming a more important part of our business because it's the fastest growing category we have. It grew. 10% in the in the holiday period. 10%? So I, yes. So <laughs> I think un, that's double it, led, it led the company. So leaning into that, I think you're on to something. You know, we're trying to approach it from the perspective of some of the key focus we have, which is around active and wellness. I know you've heard us talk oh, yeah, about the importance about of active and wellness. Active and wellness goes in the home. So sleeping well, eating well, living well, Things like Fitbits, things like Apple Watches, those are all part of this strategy. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you. I've long been an admirer of your stores, and in the 30s, I'm proud that I got involved because there was never a question of the dividend. You got the best balance sheet in the business. That's Kevin Mansell. He's chairman, president, CEO of Kohl's, KSS, and even up here, the stock is too cheap. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thanks, Jim. It is time. It is time for the lightning round. I'm Kramer's everybody. That's where I take your calls. Rapid fire. You say there. Stuck there. Bye, bye, bye. So please wait to know the calls. Don't be going to play this out. And then the lightning round is over. <laughs> Are you ready? Ski daddy. It's time for the lightning round. Kramer's everybody. Let's start with Jonathan in Delaware. Jonathan. Hey, Jim. It's Jonathan from Wilmington, Delaware. Go Birds this weekend. Fabulous. Go Birds. Um, my, 
My stock is Albemarle. It roared yesterday, gave a little bit I don't bit think Albemarle's pain. done. I still think the lithium story's big. I want to stay long it. I don't want to change it. Trade it. Be in it. Connor in Massachusetts. Connor. Hi, Jim. I appreciate your help over the years. Um, I know millennials are leasing cars longer than previous generations, and I've had a great ride with CATC over the past year, Credit Acceptance Corp. I'm debating whether I just hold or should I increase my position. I don't think any, no, I wouldn't increase your position up here, but I don't think anything's wrong. I like the stock, but you've got a nice gain. Let's be careful. Let's go to Joe in Pennsylvania. Joe. Hey, Joe from Pennsylvania. Thanks for taking my call. I want to know what your thoughts are on Realty Income Corporation. Uh, Letter O, I'm not a fan. I think the stock's expensive. You don't get paid a big dividend. I say that this one is one that you ought to exit from. Let's go to Kim in North Carolina. Kim. Hey, Kim. Kim, it's Kim. What can you tell me about Khan's Home Plus? Sounds like C-O-N-N. Khan's had a good deal. You know, Khan's is up or down. I don't like that. I'd rather be in the one that everybody seems to write off except for me. I think you should be in Best Buy, BBY. Jeff in California. Jeff. Yeah, hey, Jim. We love you out here in Los Angeles. It's actually raining cats and dogs out here right now in L.A. Hey, Jim. ESIO Electroscientist crushed it last year with a 247% return. It was killing it. Everybody should be buying ESIO Electric Science, but it fell 12.5% three days ago, and it's just sitting there three days at 20. Is this a good buy, and when would this thing pop? You know, it's kind of popped. I mean, it's up gigantically. It's down 5% for the year. Let's do this. Let's do more work on this stock rather than just cuff it because there's so many of these semiconductor names that I am getting nervous about because of a big run. But thank you so much for calling KT in Massachusetts. KT. Booyah, Jimmy. Thank you for all your hard work. My Patriots will be in the Super Bowl. Good luck to your Eagles. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, I'd love to well, see him in there. Good luck Saturday night. I know. I want to ask you about I'm very nervous about Saturday at 435. I want to ask you about an investment banking company that came public in August 2015, Houlihan Loki. I like it. It's a niche business. It's They are really you know catering to the companies that aren't necessarily gigantic. There is a place for that. I'm going to say it's a good stock. Let's go to Susan in Connecticut. Susan. Hi. Um, I'm calling about my portfolio. I have one thing that might be potentially bad or good. Duke Energy Core, D-U-K. What do you think? You know, look, Duke is fine. No one's ever gotten hurt in Duke, but why shouldn't we buy Dominion right here? I think Dominion's better. I also like Con Ed better. I even like AEP better. So there's three that I think are better than yours. Not urging a sale, but I have to tell you those are better. Dave in Illinois. I'm taking a Dave in Illinois. Dave. Dr. Kramer, celebrating the 36th annual J.P. Morgan Health Conference and getting right to the heart of the matter, E.W., Edwards Life Sciences. You know, I got to tell you, why do they keep trying to trade the C.W. when they should own it? It's got the better mousetrap. It's starting to annoy me, all these downgrades, because they seem to be completely done by knuckleheads. Let's go to Steve, my home state of New Jersey. Steve. Hey, Jim. Love your show. Um... Thank what you. do you think of Marvell New? What do you think of Marvell Technologies? Not done going higher. A lot of people trying to call a top. I think the top is nowhere near from here. I think the stock can go to thirty. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the lightning round. The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. 
When you find a fabulous growth story, you need to stick with it. Take Canada Goose, the maker of Coates and Parkas, with a stock that's more than doubled since we started recommending it right after its IPO last March. These guys have delivered phenomenal results so far, and I think the cold winter will only make the story more attractive. Earlier today, we got a chance to check in with Dan Reese, the president and CEO of Canada Goose, who's blowing out the numbers for this luxury outerwear powerhouse. Take a look. Danny, as soon as it gets cold outside, we suddenly see the patches. And people are saying, where the heck did those guys come from? But the fact is, you've been in business for quite a long time in your family business. We are. We're a, we're a 60th generation family business. We've been around for 60 years. Founded by 1957 when my grandfather was an immigrant to Canada. You know, I've heard the same story for so many years that, uh, you know, when somebody sees, this, or sees the logo for the first time, they're like, I saw your logo and now, now I see it everywhere. I, I've heard that for literally the last 10 years. So I, I think this just keeps on happening and there's so many layers of people that have still yet to discover it, even though those of us who have seen it find that hard to believe. Well, we're also so corroded and sardonic and ironic and basically cynical. We think Canada goose, but come on, we know it's made in some province in China. Yeah, right. We make all of our, all of our core downfall products are made in Canada. We hired over approximately 1,500 people last year. We have six facilities in Canada. We have multiple contractors that are exclusive to us across the country, make all our products in Canada. To me, a Canada Goose jacket is like a Swiss watch. You know, you, just, you say the word Swiss before you say the word watch because the place that the thing is made is more important almost than that product itself. And, it's very rare that I hear about a product where there is, um, I say, very little price sensitivity. People buy them and they are, they're, I know this sounds strange because it's apparel, they regard it as an investment. Absolutely. I think that we are, I think our products are investment apparel. I think that's why we were able to grow through recessions because during recessions, people saw our products as good purchases. And, you know, the value is absolutely there. Our products are made in Canada. We have decades of, of in history of craftsmanship. And, and, and uh, you know, and I think that, that I think for sure it's an investment product. Well, at the same time, it's, uh, you know, not only is it enduring, but it's, uh, it's relevant. And, I, and it's, uh, you know, I think that that's part of the magic. You have three things that I want all the companies involved with retail to have. Manage scarcity, preserve brand strength, and shorten product cycles. I, I can't find a company that's more than one of those. You have all three. Yeah, we, um, you know, I think that, you know, we plan our business uh, very well. And, you know, people think like that we intentionally starve the market. We don't do that. We, we plan our business well. Uh, we plan our wholesale business well. We plan our DTC business well. And, you know, we're not afraid to be sold out. Like, I think that we do not view ourselves as a commodity, right. Right? right? So if we were a t-shirt company and we missed a t-shirt sale, then, you know, maybe we would have missed a sale. To me, you know, uh, if somebody can't find the product they want to find a certain year, they'll come back for it next year. Right. You know, we're, we're, we're something, we're a, our products are special. They're not commodities. Now, uh, my wife, who, by the way, helped make your quarter, um, she has the coat. <laughs> and then one day I see she has the hat. Uh, I said, why did you do this? She goes, well, the coat's so great. What else should she be looking at that's great? Uh, well, we've really diversified our outerwear portfolio from, right. you know, 20 styles 20 years ago to over 200 styles now. We have a full assortment of all different weights of, of outerwear, including a spring collection. Uh, knitwear this year has been a new thing for us. We've, we've launched it in a, in, a, in, a, in a very small and strategic way, and our consumers seem to really have, have resonated with it really well. And we're, we're really happy about that, and we'll keep building on that. Accessories is an area that we're going to keep fo- focusing on, like the hat you talk right. about. And, you know, for us, everything we do, the most important thing is that we make a best-in-class product. You know, we're not about slapping lo- logos on stuff. 
We don't make stuff. We make best-in-class products. And I think that, you know, from from the point from the point of view of brand management, the, the one of the worst things you can do is to make bad product and and rush to make product because you think you can sell it. And and we don't do that. One of the things I find interesting is you have a big private equity company, Bain, that 57 percent, 68 percent of the voting. It doesn't seem like they've told you to do anything that you don't want to do. Um, you are right. Bain Capital have been phenomenal partners for me. You know, it was a, the selection process we went through back um, you know, a number of years ago, four or so years ago now. It was, a, it was a very rigorous process. And, you know, it was very important that the company we chose understood our business, understood how important Made in Canada was to us. And half the people we spoke to were like, oh, just go to China, which makes no sense for us, right? And so, you know, I am, Bain Capital have, have been great. They've, they believe in me. They believe in our management team. They've also helped support us in lots of different ways strategically and, and they've got a great reputation for for you know as as a PE firm for you know for for you know as they exit leaving companies in, in a great position. So I, I think I did great. I'm really really happy. Uh, most companies don't have as much white space as you do. It looks like to me the rest of the world is very underpenetrated, both in the you have flagship stores, but also in just it, it would seem like that Canada resonates in Europe, in Latin America, Asia. It, it's got some cachet. Yeah, you know, I've been traveling around the world for 20 years now, and I, I feel awful like an unofficial ambassador for Canada around the world. And I know for sure that people love Canada. Uh, Canada, the Canadian brand is very strong, and, and there's no doubt that at this moment in time and this moment in history, there's never been a strong. The Canadian brand has never been stronger. You know, for for all sorts of geopolitical reasons, and I think people like our prime minister and as well. On top of that, right. so you know, uh, Canadian brand is, is super strong, and there's no doubt that that, that helps us. And hopefully. Hopefully, we contributed to that a little bit along the way as we as we exported the brand of Canada around okay, the world. My kids told me I had to mention this. I, I, I said to them, listen, no, the polar bear, uh, most polar bears are in Canada. You guys probably do more than any company to preserve the polar bear. They say, but you've got to ask about pet. You've got to ask about the fur. And I say, my pushback is, what? You know, every company's being blamed for everything. Apple, sure. Tim Cook is being blamed for addiction. I mean, what do we say to the yeah. critics? Yeah, you know. I mean, ever since I started working here, even I was the only customer service person, I get a few people who didn't like the fact that we use fur. The fact is that we use fur for function first. We're an authentic company. We use it for function first. And what our customers really care about is that you know, our, all of the raw materials we use are sourced ethically and responsibly. And, and you know, we, have, we have an industry-leading traceability program. It's available for everybody to look at on our website. And, uh, you know, and we think that's what is most important to our customers. And on top of that, you know, we, we have so many different styles, many of them don't offer at all. Right. So we have choice and we respect people's, people's freedom to choose, uh, you know, and to believe the world should be however they believe And it I be. urge people to go to the website because very few people actually address these things. One last thing. It is amazing to me there are technical qualities that are, I mean, you're talking about climbing Mount Everest. And people have been using your gear. It's not just fashion. It is practicality. Yeah, I think that's one of the most important things about our brands. We are a function-first brand. The stuff that we make, make works. And, you know, I think that, that that's why our consumers come back to it time and time again. I mean, I like to tell people we're a Land Rover of clothing. You know, it's, yes, it's, it, yes. is built, it is built to withstand the harshest, harshest things in the world, the harshest climates in the world, the environment harshest environments in the world, and yet it translates really well into the city, and, and people use it a lot in the city as well. And, and uh, you know, that's been... Part of the last 20 years has been taking this great product and, and making it a consumer brand. And we have, we have a long way to go, and it's, it's super exciting. I've never seen the future more brightly than I do today. Well, I want to thank Danny Reese, President and CEO of Canada Goose. We were 
backers the day you came public, and we're yes, backers now for far more multi-year story, G-O-O-S. Thank you, Danny. Really Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you, too. It's been great being here. Cheers. want to get the story right, you got to get out of the office and talk to the CEOs. I've come down to ICR and I've got to tell you, there is nothing like talking to CEOs who are saying, you know what, this time it's different. Business is very good. It's very strong. We've got more money. We can buy back stock. We can expand. We can pay people more and we give bigger dividends. Is that not a story that is why we are in beast mode? This market can still go higher. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow.